This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, a part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Matt Berger, Clay Byers-Dorfer, and Andy Hanselman alongside. Wherever you are listening to us, whenever you are listening to us, we hope you are well. It is ladies' night on the Last Man Up. Hannah Yates from a 590 The Fan, and then the always wonderful Amy Trask from the other pregame show on CBS Sports Network. They will be joining us on this very fine, award-winning episode of The Last Man Up. Award-winning. Award-winning. We what, won awards what, now, huh? We win awards. What, don't ask me what those awards are. Yeah, I was going to say, which award was that? I don't know. I, I just been told we're award-winning. I was out of town for a couple of days, so I don't know if we, we took off in four days and I just missed it the, or the, what. We, the the uh, most missed podcast. Most missed podcast. Most missed podcast. Love that. We've gotten some uh, production awards in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> when I was on uh, 1380... We were on. It was on Saturday mornings on the Sports Junkies. This was during the the whole relocation, mm-hmm. and um, I always joke that we were the most popular Saturday morning St. Louis based sports talk show in Los Angeles because I, people, there are people out in LA who would listen to us. I think maybe three or four people. <laughs> so I said we were the most popular Saturday morning St. Louis based sports talk show in Los Angeles. It reminds me of uh, what's that line in Uncle Buck. He's oh money I'll be fi- I'll, I I've got plenty of money. And by the way, can you cash a third party out of state? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of radio, five ninety the fan. I will be joining the Charlie Tuna Show Monday and Tuesday nights, seven to nine p.m. Uh, on five ninety the fan, starting on Monday, December third. Thank you, Charlie. Sent me a text Sunday night wanting to know if I wanted to join. And I said, why not? Big time. I like tuna. And it's going to be pretty easy considering they're going to do all the work and I just show up, plug in, and just talk. You're the talent. Uh, yeah. I think I'm the token white guy. <laughs> pretty much. No. I think that's what it's going to be. I, Tom, I, unless they got rid of Tom. Tom was on there. Yeah, I don't know. Um, someone actually it was kind of funny. Was, I, I posted on Facebook about it. And then someone at work, uh, she goes, well, you're, you're joining the far left. I'm like, far left? And she's like, yeah, Charlie Tuna, he's pretty far left. And I'm like, no, not really. And then she goes... Well, no, she, that's Charlie Brennan. <laughs> yeah, she goes, <laughs> She goes. well, he's he's kind of racist, isn't he? And I'm like, yeah, Charlie Tuna's adding a white guy on the show to prove totally. how racist he is. Totally. Come on. I'm like, I know him better than you do. Trust me. Was she confusing him with Charlie Brennan? No. She, I, she knew who Tuna was? You know what? Maybe she doesn't. I was going to say, because that's an incredibly hot take but, okay, to but just like, have about somebody you don't know. The fact that she would know who Charlie Tuna is was kind of surprising because right. it's a pretty odd name. Because that's not even his name's like, not Charlie. There's also like Charles Jaco. <laughs> yeah, he's also pretty left sided. Charles Jaco's really left sided. I follow him on Twitter. That guy is crazy. Maybe you yeah. should just clarify with that individual. Maybe I should look. Mm. I'm, I'm joining a sports talk show with Charlie right. Tuna. There you go. I'm not joining KMOX with Charlie Brennan or whatever Charlie J- or whatever Charles Jaco's on. I don't think Charles Jaco's on anything anymore. I think yeah. he does a podcast and just. Tweets crazy stuff on Twitter. That's yeah, about it's it. Kind of what we do. It's kind of what we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have a podcast and <laughs> tweet, tweet crazy, crazy stuff. Shit. Yeah, we're, we're Charles Jaco. Um, Mizzou <laughs> get, football. Get him on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> get Charles Jaco on the phone. Uh, Mizzou football. So after that horrible loss in the South Carolina downpour, I had a fear that Mizzou season was going to, mm. was going to be washed right down the drain with that rainwater. But other than that gut-wrenching loss on an untimed down against Kentucky, Mizzou really turned their season around. They had that dominant win over Florida yep. down in Gainesville, mm-hmm. and they had a solid victory over the Vols at old Rocky Top. Were we all wrong about Barry Odom? 
I don't know. I mean, it's easy to point the finger when you're losing, and it's harder to point the finger when you're winning. It's, you know, age-old saying. But, um, no, I, obviously, you know, the players, we, we're going to, you know, talk about Missouri. it with, with Hannah Rates, uh, Hannah Yates about, you know, the Blues trying to play for somebody. Yeah. You, you really see it in Mizzou. They, I think they kind of saw that attention that we're getting, the negative media saying, you know, hey, the coach, Barry Odom, might be let go. Mizzou's underperforming. And you kind of see them taking that personally and come out and not only beating people but handing them, handling them. I saw a lot Missouri. of. I saw, <laughs> I saw a lot of people on Twitter that who like have sports opinions that I respect. Yeah. Who were like after that South Carolina after that South Carolina loss are like I don't know if Mizzou's going to win another game this year. Yeah. Because I mean of how bad they look. Well, I mean there were people saying that they were going to lose to Tennessee. I mean, there was like legitimate fear, sure, that they were going yeah. to go down to Knoxville and lose. Oh, well, I thought they were going to lose to Florida. Yep. I mean, I thought and, Florida was going to destroy the, them. What they beat Tennessee by, like, thirty-five. Oh yeah, they, 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 kicked, they killed them. Yeah, they killed them. It, I mean, it wasn't even close. So, I mean, it, it helps that if, if you have someone like Drew Locke, who it, it's so funny. I always get all these way too early NFL mock drafts, right? From CBS Sports. Yes. And when Mizzou wasn't doing well, Drew Locke wasn't in the first round. Mm -hmm. And now that, you know, Drew Locke has put together a couple of really good games against Arkansas and uh, and uh, Tennessee and, and Florida. Florida. Now, guess who's back being a top ten pick? Drew Locke. Weird. I love yeah. talking. I love talking mock drafts. I go to my good friend WalterFootball.com. WalterFootball.com is crazy. They have one for like twenty twenty. Yeah. Kids, kids in and diapers. They, yeah, I mean, they have right. like a twenty thirty NFL draft. Right. Uh, now, Drew Locke. So I think we 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 discussed this before, and uh, Walter had Drew going about number twenty five or twenty four somewhere. Uh, he's now number six, going to Jacksonville. Follow in the in the footsteps of uh, NFL Blaine quarterback Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert. Yes. Well, like the last one I saw from uh, CBS Sports had him going number nine, wherever the Giants are drafting. Yep. He has, he has him going oh, to the New York Giants. Listen to this hot take. I've avoided listen, listing Drew, Drew Locke in the first round of recent updates because he's been horrible against legitimate competition. He's dominated the Sisters of the Poor in college football. Is that from Sisters that from, of uh, the Poor? This is, is from, from Walter. Is that from Plowboy? Yeah, it sounds so, like it. Sounds like something Plowboy would write. But SEC defenses have given him problems. That changed this past Saturday when he torched a great Florida defense. That film could entice a team like the Jaguars to consider that was him his best game. in the first round. That? It would be a reach, but Locke would at least give the fans some hope. I think Drew Locke has NFL talent. I just don't think he's ready to start right no. away. Like I mean, unless he just goes to camp and just completely blows everybody away, which is possible. Right. But I just think that from what I've seen right now, I don't think he's ready to start right away, but I think that he's definitely an NFL talent. I'm going to steal this take and pretend like it's mine. You know, he probably should be taken in the second round, but, you know, we've seen other teams reach for quarterbacks over the years that, you know, are, are, Absolutely. are, are way, they're not as good as Drew Locke. I mean, who, no, who, who's going to... That is not my take. Who's going <laughs> to know right... Take. Who's going to know right now, like, with Blaine Gabbard, if Blaine Gabbard's future would have been different right. had he not had to start right away in Jacksonville and maybe sat on the bench a year right. or whatever, or maybe even half a season. Right. Or Chase Daniel, apostrophe S, yeah. career. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> Chase Daniel's career, <laughs> it, I mean, it basically is what it is. I mean, he, the, the type of quarterback that he is is the outlier, the one that's like right Absolutely. at six foot. Like, there aren't too many Drew Breeses or Russell Wilsons that are out there. I mean, they're kind of the outlier. Right. But now you're seeing Baker Mayfield. Yeah. And look what he's doing in Cleveland. He's yeah. doing a great job. Um, this Saturday is kind of one of those underrated Saturdays in all professional sports. It is, it is championship Saturday. It's always a lot of fun. There's three championship games that have huge impact. Yep. You'd almost, almost say all four, 
But that ACC title game, I mean, if, if Clemson loses to Pitt, I think everybody would be stunned. There is precedence for that, for Pitt beating Clemson in big yep, games. It's happened. It has happened, but I'd be kind of surprised. But the SEC title game, you have number one Alabama going against number four Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's almost a playoff game right there in itself. Yep. And then you have the um, the Big Ten game, Northwestern versus Ohio State. You have the Big 12 game, which is going to be Saturday um, Saturday morning. Both these are like they're all during the day. It's all throughout the day. It's, it's incredible. Yep. Saturday morning at 11 a.m. It's a, it's a rematch of the Red River rivalry between the uh, the Texas Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners. Who I believe played in the Big 12 championship right here at our own Edward Jones Dome. Yes, they did. About 1996? That sounds about right. 97 somewhere in there? The Ogle, the, they did it for two years at the Dome, the, right? Was it the Big 12 then? It is definitely our top place to go. The, the Edward, what, is, what was that? Oh, I didn't. It was it was the, uh, CBS Sports oh, okay. thing. I forgot to turn my volume down. Um, the Edward Jones Dome was about to be uh, occupied again. We'll talk about it's, that a little bit later. We'll talk, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I want, I want to stick on this college football. Yes. Which of the championship games do you think is going to have the biggest impact? Is it going to be the Big 10 game, the Big 12 game, or the SEC title game? Not the SEC well, game. Oh. I disagree because I think uh, if anyone, well, excuse me, <laughs> I disagree wholeheartedly. Um, no, I think the implications of uh, the SEC game there, there's a lot of implications. One, obviously, if Georgia wins, they're 100 percent in the playoff. Oh yes, Alabama will still be in the playoff if they lose. But if Alabama goes out and beats Georgia, that should scare the shit out of everyone else more than they're already scared, in well, my opinion. If if Alabama goes out there and they completely right. destroy Georgia. They hang one on them. Okay. So if Alabama goes out there and they completely destroy Georgia, so you know Alabama's in. Right. We're already going to assume that Clemson's going to be Pittsburgh, so they're sure. Clemson's in. Notre Dame is going to be in. So that's going to be two, that's going to be one spot for two teams. So who's going to have a better showing then? Is it going to be Ohio State? Being a, I mean, they're a ranked Northwestern team, but it's yep. Northwestern. Yep. Or is it Oklahoma going up against a ranked Texas team, but it's Texas? What about yep. this UCF Memphis game? I mean, you, those you're going to you're going to look at those kids in the eye UCF and tell them that they can't get into the BCS. They, absolutely they can't get into will. the BCS. They absolutely will. <laughs> Time they can do right it. At, they can do it ten years in a row, and they'll still look at the Central Florida Golden Knights and say, "You're not going to the playoffs. you're not oh, going the to the playoffs." Biggest university in the country. And I've heard it's a beautiful campus too. It's I've heard that too. It's yeah. in Orlando. They got like a pool on campus, and yeah. Oh my goodness, it would be great. Uh, Blake, Blake Portals is alumni. Right. Blake Bortles is an alumni, so they're Brandon, chugging Brandon, out great quarterbacks. Brandon Marshall is an alumni, the quarter, the the wide receiver Brandon Marshall. Are you telling me that Central the, Florida that this college is being sucker punched because they're not a member of a greedy bunch of backstabbing bastard conferences? Yes, that is the way the game is played. Not, I wouldn't put it that eloquently, but yes, a bunch <laughs> of motherfuckers. If you want to, if you want to get in there, go to a big boy conference. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. That's how that's how it's done. That's, that's, that's how the way it's done. it is. Well, then you also have uh, Fresno State at Boise State for the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, that's a six forty-five. No, no nobody's nobody's, cares, nobody's no, watching that game unless no they go to that university. That. So let's say that, that UCF Memphis game should probably be pretty good. I'm sure it will be, but I mean, yeah. I'm just no, talking, no, no, I'm I know. Talk about the like playoff implications. Yeah, like okay, so let's say Oklahoma. Let's say they squeak past Texas, mm-hmm. and let's say Ohio State blows out Northwestern. Yep. Does Ohio State get in, or no. does Oklahoma get in? Oklahoma stays in because I'm of the firm belief that college football does not want Ohio State and Urban Meyer going to national media press conferences and having to talk about anything else but football. 
That's that'd be that's an interesting point. I mean, but Urban Meyer can shut all that down by just simply saying, "I'm not answering that question." That's fine, but then that creates its own story within itself. And Either way, it's a lose lose for it, that situation. It, it does, but I mean, like if you're C or if you're ABC and if you're the NCAA, you want that Nick Saban versus Urban Meyer showdown again. <sighs> I think you do. I think I think you want that showdown again. I think it's a. I think if, I mean, of if course, both, it's great TV. Absolutely, it'd be great TV. I just think. Based on what has happened this year, with between you know the other crap that he had to deal with with Zach Smith and all the other stuff, Zach Smith, right? Zach Smith, psychopath. Um, and then you know you have Oklahoma, who is a very very good football team. I think if they beat Texas, that's way more prominent win than Ohio State beating Northwestern, and it's going to be incredibly hard not to put Oklahoma in. Ohio State has an ugly loss at yep. Purdue. Yep, and then they had some shaky games. Against Minnesota, they had some shaky games against Indiana. They had some shaky games. Um, I'm trying to remember who else they had. I think it was Wisconsin. They've had some. They've had some subpar performances, right. and then just beat the holy breaks off of Michigan in the game last Saturday right. uh, at the Shoehorn. Yeah, I mean, like the, I, I was stunned, but I wasn't stunned that Ohio State won. I was stunned in the manner in which they did yeah. win. Yeah. Can you go back to a second about why you think the SEC game has the most implication on the playoffs? Yeah. Uh, do you want, you want me to tell you again? Yeah. I, from not a tangible, I guess, kind of results sort of way, the way that I look at it is two very good teams. The only I think one of the teams that could beat Alabama, regardless of conference, is Georgia. Because what about they Clemson? Could Clemson beat Georgia? I'm, I mean, saying, Alabama? I'm saying one of them. Oh, Clemson okay. could beat them. Sorry. I think Notre Dame you know, mm-hmm. could have a shot. But I think one of the teams that scares Alabama, I, I won't say scare, but one of the more interesting games I think would be able to watch is Georgia versus Alabama because Georgia has a ton. It, there's number one Alabama in terms of NFL talent. It's Alabama, and then it's Georgia, Clemson on that second line. If, That's why I think from a you know most implications standpoint, that's why I think that game does is because if Georgia beats Alabama, Georgia is now seen as a title contender. If Alabama goes out and beats the brakes off of Georgia, then it's like, well, Alabama's going to win. Why are we even watching football anymore? Well, and another thing, too, is that if Georgia beats Alabama, the Big Ten game and the Big 12 game do not do matter. Do not matter whatsoever. Do not matter whatsoever. No, not at all. No. no. So because that's why I think it's a huge, huge game. Because you said Alabama's getting in no matter what. There's two right. spots that are going right. that are that are right now. They're going to happen no matter what. Right. Alabama, Notre Dame. You right. know those two are definitely going to be in. Yep. So you have Georgia and you have uh, Clemson, Clemson, Ohio State, Ohio State, and, and Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma. So you've got four teams basically Fighting vying for two spots. For two spots. Yeah. That's yeah. why I think it's an incredibly huge game. I know it's like you know, and you look at it as kind of like, oh, there's two really good teams. Like you know. An upset would, you know, have Georgia over Alabama. You know, it wouldn't be as big of an upset, you know, if uh, Northwestern went out and beat Ohio State. But it's still a huge game with a lot of implications. I'm trying to remember who it was. It was some media member. He was talking about how he was, it might have been Stugatz on the on the Levitard show. He was talking to a buddy of his, and his girlfriend thought that Tua, the quarterback for Alabama, she didn't know that was his name. She thought Tua stood for the University of Alabama. And that's the reason why they were just calling him that, because he was the quarterback. That would be a sick nickname. It's not bad. It's I, not never, a, I never would have pieced it together. It's not the worst thing I've ever heard, I'll tell you that. Um, Who do you take in that game with the points? 13 and a half. I got Alabama. Oh, but I, I mean, it, until Alabama loses yeah. or even looks desperate in a game. 
You got you got to roll the tide. And that's why I disagree I think the, that, that I think that the game is is important because I think Alabama is just going to roll over them. Georgia has no chance of winning this football game. Oh, I won't say that. You never you never say there's no chance. There's never chance. There's a two percent chance. Less than two tu- less than two touchdowns. I mean, Georgia's only got one loss on their on their yeah, I mean, on the year. Georgia's so. a very very good football. No, I know. Absolutely. I know. I'm not saying that they're not a good football team. I know they're a very good football mm-hmm. team, but. Yeah, I, I just I don't see it happening. I I don't see it happening either. I think Alabama beats Georgia. I don't think they beat them handedly, just because you know it is the SEC championship game. Everybody's hyped up. Yeah, championship it's a big games deal. are never you know sixty three to seven. And They're always good games. And the and teenage teenage kids, you never know. And who are you know people who are in their late teens and their early twenties? They they're very unpredictable. And that's a home game for Georgia, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. It's in I Atlanta. Mean, it's, it's, 60, it's a Mercedes Benz freaking home game. Sixty three and a half on the over under. Ooh. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Hmm. Life's too short. Take the over. The people, <laughs> the people in Vegas, the guys. Uh, it's gonna be a, the guys in the shiny like suits in Vegas. Know, they're they're, picking, they're predicting a high scoring game. I'd like to know what the what what the public money is on. I would too. Public money, I would assume, be is on, on Alabama. On Probably got to be. Yeah. And I bet the sharps are on it. But the sharps are on <clears> Georgia. Speaking of high scoring games, that game uh, last week Monday. Mm. Between the Los Angeles Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs, I didn't know if I wanted to mainline that game, if I wanted to freebase that game, right. if I wanted to chop up that game and snort it off a stripper's butt. Mm-hmm. That oh game God. was just fantastic. I, I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to roll it up and smoke the hell out of it. <laughs> I mean, it was unbelievable like just when you thought all the momentum was going in one team's direction yeah bam defensive touchdown like just out of nowhere yep out of nowhere and i mean after that game do you like who do you think feels better about their performance is it the chiefs or is it the rams i mean the rams you know feel pretty good because they got the win but man from a chief standpoint on paper you look at the chiefs and you look at the rams and the rams may have a little bit more star power but from a chief standpoint you've got probably a little younger players you've got better skill position players, you still feel pretty good about where you're at after See, that I'm, game. I'm with you on the Chiefs, too, because the, that Rams defense has not lived up to its billing. No. At all. No. you got Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is, is amazing. Right. That, that is one of the worst things about the Rams leaving town is that we do not get to see right. a generational talent like Aaron Donald play. Right. So they're, they're so unde- undependable that during the, so I have the Rams defense on my fantasy football team. People okay. really don't care about this story. I dropped them and didn't play a defense thinking that they're going to have negative points against yeah. Kansas City. That's probably yeah. a heady play. No, well, they scored a lot of points on defense. They had defensive touchdowns. That's right. They scored, yeah, they scored two defensive touchdowns and this, and uh, they scored 14 fantasy points and I, I lost. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, and, uh, back to just real quick, back to Georgia, Alabama. I found sure. the number. Um, 60% of the public money is on Alabama. Really? So it's not that deep. As I say, and that might shrink before Sat. That might shrink oh, before like Saturday to, yeah. a little bit too. Usually the lines tighten. Well, they tighten a closer bit. to game time. Yep. yep. Anyway, back to that. Sorry. Uh, back to that. Back to that Rams uh, Chiefs game. And I know I've said this before on this podcast, and a lot of people and and say like, I'm amazed at the people on Twitter who still want to rehash the whole relocation thing and who's got the fans and who does in St. Louis or L.A. Look, the Rams. The Rams are gone. They're never right. coming back. People right. just need to let it go. No, but we're getting two more NFL franchises. <laughs> What's that? We're getting two more NFL yeah, franchises. We're getting two more NFL franchises. Anyway. Um, Next year. 2019. LA baby. has fully embraced the Rams. They have. It, it took a little while, and I understand that, you know what, you haven't had football in over 20 years, and, you know, the first year with Jeff Fisher didn't go very well. Yep. 
And then last year was really good, but it was still kind of like, you know what, we want to wait and see. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like wait and see the entire right. year. That was a loud stadium on Monday night. You saw all the false starts that uh, that they had, that the Chiefs had. Yep. L.A. has finally fully embraced the Rams. It took a while now. I mean, you have to keep it up. All right. Because if you go right back to sucking like we saw here in St. Louis, that's going to be an empty stadium in Inglewood. And I'll say it again, too. It's amazing what happens when you put a good product on the field. <laughs> it is. Isn't it amazing how that happens? It's a weird, if you, weird if you play, If you play entertaining, competitive football and win a game every now and then. What? People come to the game? People will come to the game. They're you're, not just going to wander in because you're playing a football game. It doesn't matter what the quality is. Although, you know, there's people that say that the games here were really never poorly attended. Uh, I was there for a few there at the end, and they were pretty poorly attended. They were, but for the most part, I don't think games were games were sold out. I believe through 2013, either by somebody buying all the tickets, like you know Fox, so they so they could, or Fox Two, so they could so they could could, uh, avoid the blackout. Yeah, Yeah. I think the narrative that okay, fans caused the the lack of fans caused or lack of fan attendance never was an issue was never an issue. I think it's overblown because. Yeah, I don't care what NFL franchise you have, whether you're freaking Green Bay, Baltimore, Miami. If your teams go two and fourteen, you know three and three, you're not going to sell out every freaking game. No, so that's not on the fans. That's on the ownership. But the national media doesn't I mean, like, like that story. L- let's 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 say this Rams team that's playing right now. Let's say this is how they were. You know, five six years ago, that would be sold out. It would be sold out. But do you think the team still relocates? No. I think I think they do. I think they do too. I think they still relocate. Uh, maybe a I, I'll, never I'll take that back. Maybe not a hard no, but I think it would have been a a, a bit more arduous process because there would have been a lot more been, like why are we moving? We have great team, we have great fan base. It, it would have been, been way a harder sell. to move. Yes, I agree. It would have been a much tougher sell yes. from the from the NFL standpoint. Yes, but it doesn't change the fact about what happened in the lease. No, no, no. no. It doesn't change the right. fact that it's the a shitty that, lease that the city wasn't going to spend seven hundred million dollars to remodel the dome for only five more years right. on the lease. I mean, that doesn't change any of that, and it also doesn't change the fact that Stan Kroenke is a greedy mofo and wanted to increase uh, one of his assets. I mean, and Kevin Demoff is on the record of, oh, look at him. Look at him. Oh, okay. Get, get that out of here. Got a St. Louis Rams fan in the oh, building. No, that's a Los, oh, that's a Los, that's a Los Angeles Oh, Los Rams. Angeles Rams. He has a Los Angeles Rams. He just, he just bought that hat, too. Don't be bad-mouthing my Rams. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, uh, oh, I'm bad-mouthing the owner. We're bad-mouthing <laughs> the owner. That's fine. Okay, yeah. I'm Kevin Demoff. Bad the team. I'm bad mouthing the owner. Is on the record saying, fortunately or unfortunately, we had a four game losing streak as, yes. we, as we departed town. Kevin oh, Demoff is a, yourself, Kevin, Kevin Demoff is another snake in the grass. A friend of mine, <laughs> she's she is a diehard Rams fan. I mean, like she was living in L.A. and she was still flying to St. Louis to go to the Rams games here. That's how even even in the years when no one was going to the game, she was still doing it. Mm. Uh, her name is Angel uh, Fabera. She's on Twitter as Pink Survivor because she's a breast cancer survivor. Okay, and respect, res- respect, and I, I follow her on. We follow each other on Snapchat, and she's you know at all these games. She's she's a season ticket holder. She she goes to all the games, and uh, sometimes Kevin Demoff will go like through their tailgate, and she'll snap a picture of her and Kevin Demoff, and I'll always re- send her I'll send her a message saying punch that mofo right in the stomach. <laughs> now <laughs> just punch him if I could right punch, in the stomach. If I could punch like three people in the face, it'd be. Stan Kroenke. Okay. Osama bin Laden. Who's dead? Who's dead? I'd still punch him. Okay. And uh, 
I don't know. Actually, I'd just go with those two. Yeah, no, Stan Kroenke and Osama Bin Laden. I'd go with that. In kind of a heartwarming story, though, during the very first TMA Live, which was at the Wheelhouse, it was around it was around Christmas. So they were doing Clay's the whole, home away from home, the Wheelhouse. Right. By totally, the way. I'm in there all the time. And so I got a story about that too. <laughs> hit, hit, hitting on a bunch of 22 uh, year olds and. and uh, who comes in to donate a present? Very oh, I remember that Kevin Demoff was very yes. Under- and who's there to greet him? Big Al. <laughs> of what course. Ra- what Raiders jersey was he wearing? Blitnikoff. He was someone like that. But. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Well, okay, we could go but on and on. He's about not a good guys. guy for donating to he's, a charity. He is, but he's a bad guy because he lies. That that last year, that the allegedly, Ram, the last allegedly, year, allegedly, allegedly, no, he lied. The last allegedly, year, the last year, my LLC. <laughs> last year that the Rams were here. And Kevin Demoff was doing the whole corporate tour. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, I work, I'm not going to say the name of the bank, but I work for a, a very large, too big to fail bank. And he came and he spoke at the bank, like to everybody there. Now, I didn't get to go to, to when he was speaking because I had a team meeting at the same time and my boss wouldn't let me out of it. And uh, he, uh, Kevin Demoff, actually talked to a friend of mine and answered a bunch of questions and looked at my friend, looked my friend right in the eye and, and lied to him about everything. Really? Yes, because he went to Rams Forum and posted everything that he the, posted everything that he had. Was that the that, whole conversation? Was that the, was that the thing at Peabody? The Rams Forum with with uh, Eric. No, Grumman? no, no. I mean, this was this was at the um, this was at where I worked. Like oh, in the okay. cafe, this was like in the cafeteria. Gotcha. And um, I was looking at Rams Forum, and he was like, "Hey, Kevin Demoff." just spoke at my work and I'm like yeah that happened where I work today and I'm like mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out who that was and then I did I figure out who that was so I sent him an instant message and he was like yeah you know I talked to him and this is what he said and then it was like just nothing but bullshit every single word of it looked him right in the eye I mean I, he, he's obviously Stan's little puppet of course he is so I mean he was just relaying the message that, that Stan told him I mean I don't know I, I really don't know how much it's you all can, said and done. I really didn't want to. Right. No, I know. I really didn't want to get into it again. I know. It's, it's easy to fall down that rabbit hole. It really is because um, you get so pissed off about it. Yes, yes. You get so angry. About and it. like another thing, I don't understand with the LA Rams fans is how they hate the Chargers. Yeah, what's they up just, with that? Just like their mere presence in LA, bring just, our Chargers home just, now. Just drives them crazy, and I don't get it. Like, why do you care? Just, what do you care? You got to have something to hate in the world. I guess maybe like you're supposed to hate the 49ers or the That's Seahawks true. or they're too easy. To somebody, hate. I mean, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get um, it either. I went to the wheelhouse. Yes, yeah. a couple of Fridays ago. Oh, Christ. okay. Did they throw you Wait. right out? What? No, because what, what time of the night was this? Eleven. Eleven oh. o'clock at night. That's yeah. when. It, that's when. It gets, what kind of weird looks were you getting? Popping. None. They loved me there. Really? Yes. Did you go by yourself? No. And here's why. So uh, with uh, Mrs. Hanselman. Okay. So she is the manager at a local large hospital. And, and her nurses have a, uh, they have a, a uh, social club, social hour thing. And they all, we went bowling at Flamingo. And I was like, hey, let's go to the wheelhouse. I've never been. I want to check it out. I said, first round's on me. Okay. So it's me, Mrs. Hanselman, my stepdaughter, and all these little 22, 23-year-old little nurses. Oh, okay. Did, did you get a phone call? I did not. I did not get a phone call either. Thanks, Thanks a lot. You're looking at a couple of single guys here. Maybe would have enjoyed that target rich environment. You maybe you would have. <laughs> maybe maybe when we have our Christmas get together, I'll, I'll let you guys down. 
to our, for our we're co-workers. Department. It could have been a co-worker. Yes, it could very well have been. They would have loved you guys too. We went. We oh, also what? went down to the wineries. We could have. We could have, we could have sponsored it. They yeah. are. They are. <laughs> Basically, you cute. fucked up, Andy. They're cute. Yeah, I would imagine they are. And so uh, I had a blast. Spent a shit ton of money. Just a sh- yeah, an absolute insane amount of money. It's not cheap. And they kept saying, as we're driving from, we're, we're getting my old van. And we're driving from Flamingo down to the wheelhouse. And like, this is like hanging out with our mom and dad. This is so much fun. <laughs> oh, how did that make how did that make you feel? Stop it. I would have thrown them right out. Get out. Get out and walk. Get out. You guys are stupid. Get out and walk. Okay, oh, no. so I, great time. I need your professional opinion as a DJ. What did you think of the music situation there? I, I appreciated the skills of the DJ. He was actually very good, but the music was yeah. awful. Yeah. Awful. Well, I mean, it's all going to be EDM or whatever it is, isn't it? And, and club mixes. It's basically like playing Z one zero seven seven on acid. Oh well, yeah, what do you think it's going to be? They're not going to. You mean you're not yeah. going to play? Well, like, I just I wanted to play Led Zeppelin. I wanted to. Yeah, no, his I mean, professional no. opinion. No, I mean, I and I. It's about what I expected. I expected maybe a little more top forty stuff mixed in there. Seeing as how it's what I you know I figured it would be, yeah. but no, it's all club shit. Mm. And then uh, you know, guys with cool hair. I'm like, dang, you guys have really cool hair. What's cool hair? These these guys just had they had really really cool hair. What it was, makes it cool? Though? I don't know. It just looked cool. Like Bradley Cooper in uh, The Hangover, pretty much like that. Yeah, like where yeah. it just falls naturally. It falls naturally, but then also some of it's kind of sculpted. So I'd walk over to these. I had to walk by these guys to go to the bathroom every time. So I'd walk by and I go, like, see, like that, like, 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 place. like that scenario <laughs> you just described is like, I mean, it's pure hell. That sounds me. like an absolute nightmare. It sounds like a nightmare for me too. Because oh, I'm never going back again. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, I, I you know tongue in cheek said it was a target rich environment, but those targets aren't interested in me whatsoever. No. You never know; they may have been. And I, I, I'm not the type of guy that's going to pick up a girl just because I look like one of those guys down there. I got to talk, and they're not going to hear me anyway because they're playing that mute that awful right. music so loud. What? Yeah. So it's 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 it's, it's not going to happen. It's you just want- not going to. It's just not going to happen. They're gonna be like, "Aren't you lost? <laughs> you want some bat? You want some battered fries? Is it Delmar? No, Gar- is it Delmar Gardens like right. further down the highway? Right. Oh, you want a Bud Light? Oh, sorry, I thought you said battered fries. Uh, I brought it up earlier. The XFL, the yes. XFL, is returning to St. Louis in 2020. I wouldn't say I'm excited, <laughs> but I'm but I'm certainly intrigued. Yes, I will go to games. I will buy merchandise. I will support uh, the franchise as much as I can. Absolutely. Yes. Um, because I, I, well. I think that if you want to get an NFL team here, I think showing support for the XFL is going to be important. It doesn't mean that you got to pat sixty six thousand into into the Edward Jones Dome to watch that I XFL team. I would imagine team. that they would probably close off the top of the dome, but it would if, probably just be the lower. Bowl. If you could fill anywhere between twenty and forty thousand on a regular, semi regular basis. I think that that would probably draw the attention of the NFL. You think forty? They get forty in There's there? No way. They get I think 40. twenty twenty five max. I think like I, okay. on, the, on, on opening weekend it'll be twenty twenty five, but I don't think they see that the rest of the year. I think opening. Okay, he, there's only, well, luckily there's only five games. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, and here's one thing that we know about St. Louis too. Mm-hmm. If you draft someone who either went to St. Louis, one that's of the true. St. Louis high schools, that's true, or went to Mizzou, you know you're going to get support, right? So let's say they draft some, let's say the St. Louis team drafts some player from a zoo, a running back, a defensive end, a quarterback, somebody who's going to be kind of like, of a, like, like has a star position. Yeah. How it, about, it can't be like, you know, it can't you know be like a guard. It would be a good NFL or a good XFL player. 
Taylor Jacob Moe. TJ Moe? Yeah, he might. You think he's going to give it a whirl? I think he would. He's, I mean, he's still in, in great shape. Yeah, he's, he's dude's ripped. I yeah, think I mean, he's still in tremendous shape. Uh, I mean, I don't know how fast he can still run, but I mean, for that league, I mean, he probably yeah. probably run just fast enough. Uh, that's what I think I'm most excited about is one. You know, it's just going to be cool to go watch football. You know, yeah. on, on Sunday or whatever the game day ends up being. But. If Brock Oliva wasn't 40 years old, he could come out there and play. <laughs> <laughs> but I I think what I'm most excited about is because of that. Uh, there's going to be some hometown flavor. Absolutely, it's going to be a little bit like the replacements and the fact that you're going to have guys that you've never heard of. And then you're going to have guys that you heard of, but probably ten years ago. Um, I think I the think, next Vince Papali. I think yeah. T- I think TJ Moe is actually an interesting one because people are going to show up because either to support him or to see him or to watch him get hit. It's yeah. going to be one or the other. I'm a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was, I, it's going to be one. I, I mean, I'd be surprised if he does it now because I mean he's he's married and he's got other interests. So who knows? He might not even want to do it anymore, but. Um, very, I think once football's in your blood like that, I mean, it's hard to quit. I think it's hard. Yeah, to quit. okay, but when's the last time he's really been hit hard? It all takes only. It's just like riding a bike, man. I guess, you, but you, like everyone's gonna get, be like, "Wow, that really hurts." It didn't hurt get, like that before. You gotta maybe get they'll back teach him how to like, how to take the fall, like they do, like they do in the WWE. <laughs> the important thing is, is that what are we going to name? Now, I, I saw your, I saw XFL. your stupid ass Twitter poll. What did you have? About on? Stallions. I oh, I think it's going to be Stallions for sure. St. Louis Stallions. I think that would be a good one. No, because that's going to be the name of the NFL team if they move here. <laughs> you, I think that I think that is trademarked already. You can't name them that. Okay, so there, so that rules that one out. I believe I may be wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I do not want them to be called this different. First of all, I hate the name Stallions anyway. I like the name Stallions. I, I hated the logo. It looked like a lizard more than it did a horse. I think I think this should be the St. Louis Thunder. It's Thunder? gonna it's, it's gonna be end up like the River Rats or like something. The arches, the River like the Pirates, arches, the River the, Pirates, the, 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 the amazing Lu- arches. The, the St. Louis Archers. I can maybe see Ooh, I like that, that. I like where that. they make it look like like with a bow and arrow, like he's shooting one through the arch. Yeah, like someone like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Daryl. That, that idea is trademarked. You get Daryl Di- Dixon as your mascot. There right. we go. Like I could see something like that kind of happening. <laughs> Um, I think they'll maybe ought to be Dixon to name the team the St. Louis Rams. I definitely don't know the trademark <laughs> issue there, but I can I promise be, you it's probably not going to happen. A problem. Um, some other names I saw out there, like St. Louis Stags, that's kind of one I thought of. I was watching Rudolph last night. I actually thought of that. Nice. The St. Louis Stags. The Stags wouldn't be terrible. Sponsored by PTs. There you go. Or just sponsored Stag by bar. whoever the... Uh, Whoever the stag uh, distributor is in this area. Oh, I think about I think about like stag bar. No, it's like stag beer. Oh, okay, stag beer. Do you think the XFL goes with super goofy ass names like they did before? Because they I had don't some. Think they so. had some name. They had what some were, team what, names. What were the Las was, Vegas team? Um, the Outlaws. I the think. Outlaws. And then who were the the Houston Outlaws? I think that no, okay. that wasn't. And then it. there was the New York, New Jersey Hitmen. Hitmen. Hitmen yeah. And then and the Los Angeles the Gladiators. It was and a did Memphis. They, did they play at the Coliseum? Yeah. No. Yeah. Did I, they? They they had to. Yeah. It was either the Coliseum or the or well, the, uh, was or the a, Rose Bowl. It was the first week they played the game in L.A. That was the first game. No, it was it in was, Las Vegas. That, where, no, you're where right. Vince goes, you're right. This it was the Vegas. The it was and it was the Memphis Maniacs. And Memphis, it was a, yeah. and it was AXXXXXX. That's where every, Maniacs. That's where everyone stopped taking that league seriously. Well, people stopped taking that league seriously whenever Vince McMahon made the that's mistake true. of bringing in all of his WWE cronies to call the game. That's very true. And also, when he tried, we're going to take the cameras into the into the cheerleaders' locker room here. Yeah. At, at the end of the game. And another thing too, like they like, but they put the league together. And then here's the teams. They put the teams together and they just started playing. Yep. They gave them zero time to like practice and prepare. 
I think they maybe had like a month, and that was it. Yep. Yeah. There were some big mistakes that Vince McMahon made. Hopefully he learned from them, and uh, the second time around would be a little more successful. I think he's surrounding himself with uh, some more football-minded people. I so agree. So I think that'll help. Because I think there is an appetite for spring football. It's not, so. gonna, it's not going to be the NFL. Yep. No. I mean, if you're tuning into the XFL thinking you're going to see NFL uh, caliber uh, level of playing football, I think you're out of your mind. And, I mean, you're but not, people, you're just, not, people you're, want to watch football. You're not going to even see CFL caliber level of football. Well, I think that may be a, a pretty good comparison, actually. Yeah. It might be CFL. I, I would say, I would well, say I mean, that level. But I would say that the CFL is probably the second one below the NFL. Well, it's professionally, or are you profession- just talking about football? Professionally, professionally, it's, it's the only. Professionally, oh yeah, because I mean they're better than what Arena League is. But you have an NCAA team could beat a, a Canadian football league. Probably, team. I have no doubt in my mind. That's a, that's the talent level that you have. I mean, I think if you took Alabama, and you took them against the best CFL team. I think Alabama I think it'd be would a game. probably win. I think it'd be a game for sure. Hmm. I don't know about all that, but okay, I'll go with it. She is the co-host of the Cam Jansen Show, which really should be called Beauty and the Beast. No idea who's in charge of programming over there at 590, but something that we'll certainly address. Monday John, through John Hadley. John Hadley. Well, Hadley and I are going to have a talk. The Cam Jansen Show, with Handy Yates on there, really needs to be called Beauty and the Beast. Monday through Thursday, <laughs> Monday through Thursday, six to seven p.m. on five ninety The Fan. You can follow her on Twitter at Hannah Ray Yates. Hannah, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Good. You know I'm right about that. About the title of the show. I mean, come on. I don't know. Cam would agree with that. I think Cam would he agree with that. The beauty out of us too. I was gonna say he was. Think, de- he would definitely think, take the beauty part. I think, oh, Cam, I think Cam thinks he's pretty. You think he Cam thinks he's pretty? Does. No, Cam always talks about all the all the scars he's got on his head from pucks and fighting and everything else. Because when he was getting um, the hair transplant, I told him, "I look, look, dude, just shave your head." And he's like, "I can't <laughs> shave my head. My head's too funny looking." Some people find battle <laughs> scars very attractive, Matt. Beauty in the eye of the beholder. That's right. We, we should ask. Uh, we should ask a beauty. We got one on the phone. Hannah, uh, battle scars, yay or nay? On a guy. <laughs> you know, I'm- I don't know if I've ever seen any on someone's head, so I'm not really sure. If it's <laughs> <that>. <laughs> took the took the the uh, least traveled path. There. We're we're gonna take that as a no. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna take that as a no. Hard no. <laughs> Safe bet. Okay, uh, <laughs> Hannah, the the St. Louis Blues. They uh, they're aptly named right now because they got the fans singing the blues. Uh, Record wise, they are tied for one of the for the worst uh, team in the, in the NHL. I don't think this is what fans had in mind when the season started. Where do you think it all went wrong? I don't know if anyone can actually pinpoint where it went wrong or if it's actually gone wrong. You know, we're fourth of the way through the season almost, and um, it's it's kind of hard to tell. Goaltending was obviously a question mark heading into the season, and I think it's still somewhat of a question mark at this point. We've seen some better performance out of our goaltenders, especially Jake Allen's starting goalie, um, but it's not consistent as well as defense was not a question mark heading into the season, and it definitely is at this point. And also seeing that, you know, obviously they, they fired Mike Yo, they bring in the interim coach. They ran off Mike Hitchcock, they bring in Mike Yo a couple years ago thinking, okay, well, the, here we go. This is going to be the key to success. And it turns out that's not it. When is Doug Armstrong and when, when is Tom Stillman, when are they going to start holding the players accountable and maybe start trading some of these players that have been around for a few years and sending a message to the locker room? I think that's the next step from here. You can only run so many head coaches out of the locker room and assume that that's, you know, the reason behind everything. And clearly there's a trend when 
there's this many coaching changes within the last couple of seasons. And it's been the same core group of veteran players for quite a few years now. And I think that's the next step they're going to take. It's really hard because a lot of the players have clauses in their contracts to where they can't be traded. A lot of the core veteran players that we have. So I think that'll be a complication from here. Hannah, what's the mood in the locker room been uh, in your from your perspective? Obviously, you spend a lot of time around the team, more than most. What's the feeling that you get uh, from the guys who uh, lace it up every night? It's kind of it's interesting the responses that we've been getting after games speaking with them. They said, you know, there's just been a lack of effort on the ice, which is an unfortunate thing to hear. And I think everyone's wondering why is there a lack of effort? How do you fix that? Because effort's something that no coach can fix. You can demand effort, but if the players aren't willing to give that full intensity every night, then that's the issue. Um, The past couple of games, especially before Nashville, the locker room was pretty pumped up. And obviously, there's been some buzzkill here and there with some core players in and out of the lineup. There's been a lot more injuries at this point that you would have hoped for. Um, But it's not been a completely down locker room by any means. I think that the guys really want to put their best foot forward on the ice, but it just doesn't seem to happen consistently. You know, since we've last recorded, um, Mike, you like, like Matt Berger had mentioned that Mike Yo has been fired. Uh, were you surprised to see that coming? And then also, what uh, sources close to, I'll keep close to my chest, uh, are, are telling me that Quenville is going to be here in January. Have you heard anything close to close to that coming wow. down the pipe? Wow. Breaking news yeah, right here. <laughs> I like it's, that. Uh, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to tell. For Coach Q, starting with him, you know, I don't really know that situation of how that would work out because – there's a lot of question marks with him. Where does he want to go? Because he's a very powerful person and he's a coach that's going to want to come into an organization and have the upper hand. He's not going to want to have to work directly under and completely submit to a GM. He's going to want to work hand in hand and have a lot more decision making than your typical coach would after a very strong headed GM. Uh, So I think that he'll be choosing a team where he can really make a mark on and it's potentially a team that he'll be retiring with. So I think that he'll want someone strong there to where he can leave with a good footprint. For the St. Louis Blues, it's hard because uh, you have salary cap that a lot of other NHL teams have a lot more to spend, whereas the St. Louis Blues, there's not as much of a gap to where they can afford a coach like this. That doesn't mean it can't happen. It's completely out of the question, but you're going to have to find funds a lot more than some of the other big teams in larger markets would for Coach Q right now. Mike Yo being fired, um, I was expecting it, especially after that game against L.A. I definitely think that a lot of people knew that was going to happen heading into it. Do I think that should have happened? Yes and no. You know, I don't think that he can take the full blame. And I think GM Doug Armstrong made a good point in that he took a lot of the blame for multiple assets of the organization, whether that's the front office holding people accountable, whether that's their decisions, whether that's the players holding themselves accountable. But that's usually the first step in turning things around is unfortunately firing a head coach. Hannah, how much of this can you really attribute to just poor timing altogether obviously you know you've talked about the rash of injuries the blues have had they've added you know uh, a decent amount of new faces to the lineup you know there's some cohesion that needs to take place but you know when you have those new faces when you have injuries it's really hard to put you know a formidable hockey team on the ice and I think Mike Yo a little bit uh you know was kind of the recipient of that just just kind of poor timing all around what do you what do you think of that it could be. I mean, timing's always an issue, but timing's an issue for every single team in the NHL. That's you know, true. we can't keep pitying the Blues and saying, well, this happened this season, so this is why it fell apart. This is why they aren't winning the Cup this season. You know, they're 
there has to be a reason when other teams are making this happen year after year, making it to the playoffs and playing consistently, everyone's gotten a cup for the St. Louis Blues. So, you know, timing's an issue always, but injuries are always going to be prevalent with every single locker room in the entire NHL. The good teams make it work regardless of who's out of the lineup, and the St. Louis Blues just haven't had as strong of a chance of doing that. I don't know what the exact issue is. Some of the veteran players aren't showing up each night. Some are. But Mike Yo, I mean, he was given a really solid roster heading into this this season, and I don't think him or any other coach could have made the team play consistently the way that they have not every single game this season. Dropping the hammer. I Hannah, love it. Yes. Hannah, Yates, <laughs> Hannah Yates from 590 The Fan joining us right now on the Last Man Up podcast. You can follow her on Twitter at Hannah, uh, Hannah Ray Yates. Do not follow her in real life, and I'm looking at you, Hanselman. Right at you. Um, where do you think oh, – she- She'd let me do that. <laughs> where, where, where do you think? Uh, where, where do you think it was that Mike Yo lost this team and lost his locker room? Do you think maybe it happened last season? Do you think maybe it happened sometime during training camp, the first couple games of the season? Where did it all go wrong with Yo? It's kind of hard to tell because they played so strongly for him at the beginning of when he took over interim head coach and then became the head coach after Ken Hitchcock was relieved of his head coaching duties. And I think that was just a change of pace because you saw the Blues stopped playing for Ken Hitchcock after they had played for him for so many seasons and had played well in some playoff stints. Um, And then at the end of the season last year, they kind of just fell off. We didn't know if that had to do with leadership or if that had to just do with lack of consistency like we've seen this season. But you could tell that even with Craig Berube and them wanting to play for him in some games, they still haven't in some games as well. So I don't know if you can pinpoint the exact spot of when they stopped playing for Mike Yo. I think that they just haven't shown up for themselves in a lot of the games as well. Hannah, you mentioned you know at the start of this interview, they they will eventually get into the trade market, um, look to move maybe some core pieces, but a lot obviously you know a lot of those are tied up with no trade clauses from an organizational standpoint. Even if you could trade guys, where do you start and what do you go after? It's hard to tell because a lot of the people that you would look at trading are some of your veteran players. If you're really wanting to make that big blog blockbuster trade like all Blues fans are demanding, that's hard to do, and you have to make a lot of sacrifice. The way that you can trade players nowadays, you don't just do a one-for-one trade most of the time. You have to go and reach into your pocket in the AHL and different players, and you have to look at who you have available. People say, well, trade Alexander Steen. You know, he's a veteran player that still has a lot left on his contract, but you have to look at the price of his contract, the length left, and that he has a no-trade clause. You know, a lot of these players, there's six players right now who have no trade clauses from Jay Bomeister to Alexander Steen to Pat Maroon to certain guys that you would think maybe the Blues would make a move. Um, And so from my standpoint, you'd have to put together some sort of a package deal and you'd have to look at who doesn't have a no trade clause and who players would find, you know, other teams would find these actual players valuable. Do you think there's a cancer in the locker room? Do you think it's maybe something as simple as that? Because we've seen head coaches come and go. And like you said, you, you pointed out earlier, you know, correctly, once they fired Mike Yo, or they fired Ken Hitchcock, rather, and they brought in Mike Yo, they took off like a house on fire and then kind of corrected themselves. And then we saw the struggles they had last year and then ultimately led to his, his termination at the early part of this year. Is there maybe somebody in that locker room that's causing a disturbance? It's hard to know. I mean, from my point of view, as far as I know, there's not one particular player or person, but that's all behind the scenes that really no reporter would know unless they had some sort of inside scoop from one of the guys. And 
from what I know from this team, they all get along really well. There may be a few things here and there that happen with every NHL team, but nothing blatant to where it's talked about in the locker room. It's, you know, to where players vocalize it like some teams do. So I don't see that to be a particular issue. Um, I think the main thing is just leadership. And it's really the question that we've all been asking is what's happening with leadership in there to where it's not carrying onto the ice. When you had David Backus as a captain, you knew that players were trying to play for him, and he was a very enforceful type of captain. Alex Petrangelo is a great captain, but he leads in different ways. And then you can't take all of that blame and hope that Alex Petrangelo is going to be the sole leader of that team. It takes multiple guys on a team in the way the NHL is going now. Maybe that's what they need. They need to bring uh, Backus back. It's it's something. In I, the- mean, it's, I mean, it could be something as simple as that. I mean, like you're saying, if, if they're not really playing for their head coach and they're not really playing for Petrangelo and certainly they're not playing for, for, uh, for professional pride because that hasn't shown up yet. If you're getting booed off the ice at Enterprise Center, eventually you're going to say, OK, you know what? I need to step my game up and I need to go out here and start winning some games. Oh, I always find it interesting when people are like, well, go play for him or, you know, why? you're a professional athlete. Why do you have to be motivated at all? Sometimes you they get do. paid millions of dollars it's not that to simple. play the sport that you love. I know it's not that, but it's mind boggling. Oh, I agree. It's counterintuitive. I don't know. Hannah, what do you think? It's difficult. Well, first off, David Backus is down on the fourth line, was injured, and has been playing awful this season. So somewhat of a good thing not to bring him back in general. Good move. Good move. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of hard nowadays. The way that the Toronto Maple Leafs have gone is they have three A's instead of having a captain. And that's mostly because they couldn't choose between captains with Tavares and uh, Austin Matthews. But it's also because it just creates less of a leadership happening hassle and you have more people in charge at one time and so then you're kind of just playing for each other instead of playing for one person and putting all of those responsibilities on one guy the way that captains are nowadays you look at that and it's kind of a generational leader there's not many generally generational leaders left in the nhl and a one guy will come out every now and then to where you really want to give him the c with the st louis blues it's hard to tell right now and alex perangelo you know in my opinion he's not a generational leader but he's a solid captain for community work and and he really does play hard for his team but it's different than a David Backus and other types of players Um, but I don't really know where that leadership starts with this team people talk about oh well maybe you remove that you assign A's to different players like a Joel Edmondson and someone who shows up every night consistently fighting for the team but it's just really hard to tell with that team right now who is actually stepping up behind the scenes. It sounds like someone in that locker room needs to hold the other players in that locker room accountable. That's that I mean that's what it kind of sounds like to me. Bo Meester needs to go grab somebody by the throat and punch him. <laughs> He's been doing it to everybody else. There we go. That's what we need. Hold yourselves up by the bootstraps. <laughs> <laughs> she is Hannah Yates. You can catch her on the Cam Jansen show Monday through Thursdays, six to seven on five ninety the fan. Her star is on the rise, so make sure uh make sure you get on the floor level because I mean I keep telling you all the time when I see you, you're going places, girl. You know that. I appreciate that very much. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Anna. If you're familiar with my show, you know what this song means. That means our guest needs no introduction. But if you're not familiar with my work, you know the song means that we're getting ready to bring on Amy Trask. The she is the Amy for- Trask. the Amy Trask. She is the former CEO of the Oakland Raiders and the current co-host of Top Sunday Mornings during the NFL season on CBS Sports Network. You can follow her on Twitter at Amy Trask. Amy Trask, how are you, my friend? 
I am doing well, and it is always, always my privilege and pleasure to join you on any format. And you put me in the best mood by starting <laughs> out with some NWA. You guys know the Princess of are. Darkness, the just pr- coming yeah. full light right now. I was talking to I was talking to somebody at work today. I go, I always find it funny that you are like the nicest person right. on Twitter. You're always nice when I talk to you uh, on the phone. And your nickname is the Princess of Darkness, and you listen to NWA, you think that you'd be kind of like Mama Fratelli and the Goonies, but you're the furthest <laughs> thing from it. Oh, a Goonies reference. Well, first of all, um, there is nothing mutually exclusive about being both an NWA fan and being cordial. Um, I have been an NWA fan since they hit the scene. I still am. I have the privilege of working with Ice Cube on the big three, of course. But as to the nickname... Man, that was not intended as a compliment when that was bestowed on me. Really? That was, oh, no, no, no. Mike Silver, um, then with Sports Illustrated, wrote an article at one point on me. And in it, he quoted an unnamed NFL or team executive who said, you know, behind her back, we call her the princess of darkness. And he and the person saying that intended that as an insult. Well, Raider Nation embraced that. I embrace that. I will cherish that nickname forever. And frankly, I hope you're a little afraid of me right now. Oh, we're <laughs> terrified. I'm actually terrified. I just got a chill up my spine. <laughs> okay, I hope so. And you're thousands of miles away. Yeah, you're, you're as far away as it can get. Um, so let's talk about this NFL season. We're in the home stretch here. We got the final, the final four games uh, of the year coming up. Has, compared the season to seasons past, I think this is the kind of season the NFL needed to bounce back from last year, where I think the season was as enjoyable. The seasons past, but this one has been thoroughly enjoyable because you've got great teams like Kansas City, the LA Rams, and the New Orleans Saints. What do you think? Well, I think it is a great season for many, many, many reasons, some of which you've identified. Um, I also enjoyed last season. Look, I take a lot of teasing for an expression I use, but this is a heartfelt sentiment, and I've said it for decades. Football games are like snowflakes in that no two games are ever the same. And I know that a lot of people are relishing the offense that we're seeing this year, and it is tremendous. I'm relishing the defense we're seeing some teams play. Um, Chicago, most notably. I love defense, and even though we are seeing tremendous, tremendous offense, we're also seeing teams adapt, as they do, to new rules and new rule interpretation and playing defense, and I love that. Amy, uh, you've worked in the front office of the NFL. You know more about football than anyone probably that we will ever talk to on this well, podcast. Let's not, <laughs> let's not get carried away, man. But that was a nice little intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, talk about the, the overall talent level. I think something that blows me away year after year, and, and especially this year, is the overall talent level in the National Football League has never been better. And I think, obviously, that's what makes games exciting. But from your perspective, what do you see? Well, you hit the proverbial nail on the head. It was not that many years ago. I, you know, I, I could look back and, you know, whether it was two or three or four, I don't remember how long, but everybody was bemoaning the lack of quarterbacks in the league. It was, you know, like Chicken Little running around screaming, Henny Penny, Henny Penny, the sky is falling. <laughs> There's no quarterbacks. And now you look around the league and you've got your stalwart veteran quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, and Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and we could name them all. And now you've got these young quarterbacks, Jared Goff, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, my gosh, when I'm naming the older veterans, Drew Brees, of course. But there are good quarterbacks around the league. And, you know, what that just goes to show is that things cycle over time. And 
I've long resisted the urge to do the henny penny, henny penny chicken little routine. Um, but it wasn't that long ago when people were screaming that about quarterbacks. You brought up Drew Brees and he has seemed to found to, to have found the, the Tom Brady fountain of youth. You have Tom Brady. He is uh, 41. You have Drew Brees, who's 39. Aaron Rodgers is, is in his mid thirties, but he's still playing at a tip top level. It wasn't that long ago. If you had a quarterback that it was in the, in his mid thirties, I mean, people were looking at you like, what are you doing? Yeah. He's, he is a dinosaur. Get him out of there and right. get someone young. But now we're seeing some of these quarterbacks play at an extraordinarily high level well into their late 30s and now even 41 like Tom Brady. Is that because of the rule changes? Is that because of the way that they take care of themselves off the field? Uh, offensive scheme? What do you think of that? What do you attribute that to? Well, first of all, let's get the address of that fountain of youth. Because whatever they're doing, remember that scene, and I won't act it out, don't worry, but remember that scene in the movie with uh, Meg Ryan where she has the, you know, in, in the, the deli, and then the woman says, I'll have what she's having? Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> I won't act it out. Okay. Whatever they're having, I'll have what they're having. <laughs> um, look, I think it's a couple of things, and you hit the nail on the head again. I think certainly the rule changes. Um, look, back years and years and decades and decades ago and at the outset of my career even, um, you could do a lot more to quarterbacks than you can now. Now, you know, I, the rules had changed by the time I joined the league. But even when I joined the league, you were still allowed to do a lot more to quarterbacks than you can do now. So rule changes absolutely have helped. And I do think these quarterbacks that you identified are taking spectacular care of themselves dietary um, from a dietary standpoint and, and otherwise. But, you know, the, the other thing people are saying right now is, oh, my gosh, we're never going to see defense again because of all these rule changes. Well, you know what? That's what people were saying back when they outlawed the bump and run and they got rid of the forearm shiver to the forehead and they got rid of stick them. Um, but defenses adapt, and we're seeing this year, Chicago is a great example of defenses adapting. So they're not dead yet, man. Amy, do you think this kind of offensive output that we're seeing across the league is sustainable? I I go back to the, the Rams-Kansas City Chiefs games uh, last, last week? Last week, week. Last week. And you see all those points put up. It's a heck of a game. Every, you know... TV network loves it. Ratings are through the roof. But I wonder if, you know, what's that next step for, from a league standpoint? Yeah, we have two teams that are putting, you know, up incredible numbers. You know, does that carry over to every other NFL team or is it just kind of a blip on the radar or teams going to, you know, either. next year going to start scoring 70 points a game? What do you think? I don't think we're going to see 70. Um, <laughs> if you were to make me take an over-under on that like we do on our television Hit the show. under. Not for, not for money, by the way. Not for money. We just do it for fun. Um, I would not say 70 or over. But look, I don't think we need to draw sweeping conclusions. Teams adapt over sure. time. Um, and, and again, I'm going to say it. Tease me away if you'd like. But tease away if you'd like. But the games are like snowflakes. No two football games are the same. There's a saying I learned very, very, very early in my career from one of our football um, men at the Raiders, which is it's a game of inches and it's a game of seconds. And that's absolutely true because on any given play, the, the, you know, the fewest seconds could yield an entirely different outcome. 
Does the defender get to the quarterback on time? Can the corner close on the receiver in time? That's less than seconds in some instances. And of course, an inch can be the distance difference between a first down and not. So I don't know that we should draw sweeping conclusions yet. That's my two cents. The wonderful Amy Trask joining us on the phone right now. You can catch her on Tops. Uh, Sunday mornings during the NFL season uh, on the CBS Sports Network, and that's the pregame show that I watch every Sunday morning. So uh, sign me up. I, I, I do. I really. I we had London Fletcher on was maybe like a month and a half ago, mm-hmm. and I, I even told London the same thing. I'm Did. telling you right now, I really do enjoy that show so much because as you're not bogging us down with like you know plays and stuff like that. It's a little more fun. Okay. Well, number one. I am a little bit hurt that you had London on before <laughs> me. And I'm going to have a little chat with my pals at CBS Sports about that <laughs> this Sunday. We're going to have a little chat about, you know, when I get to come back on to make up for that. Oh, love um, hearing that. I do, too. Not complaining here. Oh, and I'm not kidding. I mean, we're having a chat <laughs> on Sunday. Um, and number two, I'm a huge fan of the work you men do on this podcast. It's absolutely spectacular. So it's my privilege and pleasure to join you. And um, I'm going to have that chit chat, and I'm going to come back and join you again. <laughs> I appreciate it. But before I let you go, just have, have to ask you one Raiders question because Raiders fans would oh, not forget. They would not forgive oh. me. They would not. They would not forgive me if I don't ask you a Raiders question. Uh, ne- I mean, the, the season is what it is. I actually like the moves that John Gruden is doing with the trading of Cleo Mack and, and Amari Cooper to get the, the first round draft picks. I do. I, I agree with it because you got to really start to build that team. But next year. They don't know where they're going to be playing next year, and I, I heard you bring this up uh, during Tops this past Sunday. They they do not have a lease uh, with the Coliseum in Oakland, and right now they are kind of homeless next year. Where do you think they end up playing? Do they go work something out in Oakland, or will they do a season in San Diego before they move to Vegas? Well, first of all, I wasn't looking to jump off when I said all those nice things to you. Okay, great. Um, so I'm going to answer your question in two parts. First of all, well, let me answer the second part first, and then I'd like to touch on the, the football part, if that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think there is a fairly um, good chance that the team remains in Oakland for one more season. As I understand it, there is um, the uh, uh, some terms of a lease are currently sitting in front of the city council and the Alameda County. And, and by the way... Um, the stadium is municipally owned by both the city and the county. So both of those municipal bodies need to sign off on it, as well as, of course, do the Raiders. I don't think it's unrealistic to assume they're in Oakland for one more season before going to Las Vegas. But of course, until it's done, 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 we don't know that that will be the case. And that would bring up the question, what would they do next year? Sam Boyd Stadium, I'm told, has already been ruled out by the league. The league can certainly change its mind. The league could say to the Raiders, go play all your games on the road. I'm not suggesting they have or they will, but they could say that. They could send the Raiders, you know, to a lot of international locations. Or they could say, you know what, you don't want to get it done in Oakland and we're not letting you go to Las Vegas a year early. Go play in Santa Clara with the 49ers, which I know the team does not want to do, but it is an option. As to the rebuild issue, I come out somewhere in between the two extremes on this. Clearly, when John came in, he was given absolute authority and autonomy to run that entire organization from stem to stern. Fair enough. That's the authority and autonomy he was given. 
he obviously made a judgment that he did not like the work Reggie had done in his years there. Reggie was um, directed by ownership to deconstruct and reconstruct. And John came in and, you know, clearly didn't like that deconstruction and reconstruction. I don't quibble with that. And I don't quibble with John's desire to rebuild. Were I rebuilding, Khalil Mack is the precise sort of player I would want to build around. I think he's a generational talent. And the team went out and spent over $55 million on aging veterans who aren't going to be there as the team rebuilds. Why not just take that money and route it to Khalil? Sure. And, you know, yes, I grew up in the NFL with someone who told me time and again, the quarterback must go down and he (laughs) must go down hard. Um, But I cherish pass rush. And I would have said, look, if I'm going to redo everything Reggie did and I'm going to rebuild as John clearly wants to do, I'm building around Khalil Mack. And I will answer a question for you that others have asked me, which is, would Al have signed him? And I believe three things. Al absolutely positively would have signed him. Al would have paid him amount that other people thought was too much. And Al would have been criticized for that. And Al would not have cared about no, the criticism. No, love that. When, when did he ever care about the criticism? <laughs> right, right. Right. That's know, par for the course. And, and by the way, there were times when we were dealing with fan issues and community issues and public issues and media issues where I wanted him to care a little bit more. But to his credit, he, you know, he held true to his convictions and he didn't care even when I was saying couldn't you just care a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> I've, al- I've always said that uh, as painful as the process was, the relocation process and the Rams ultimately moving from St. Louis back to Los Angeles, the two good things that came out of this, because as one of them, I, I became good friends with you, and I became good friends with Vinny Bonsignor, who I know you also know as well out there in Los Angeles. Those are the two good things that came out of the relocation. Well, you know what? Um, I I don't in any way want to minimize that which the fans in St. Louis have gone through in terms of the relocation, because I know that that is heartbreaking. But I am going to say you just touched me. That was very nice. (laughs) You're you're welcome, uh, Ms. Trask. Or just get sentimental on the last (laughs) minute of the podcast. We really did. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Look forward to having you on again soon. Oh, that's going to happen. Always great to hear your voice, Amy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Amy. You've been listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. You can follow Clay at Ton of Clayton, and you can follow Andy at Emo6. Follow the Last Man Up podcast at Last Man Up Pod. Speaking of Andy Hanselman, here he is with the top five sport trending topics of the week. Uh, a guy named Andy Benoit says Thanksgiving ben, food Benoit, is... Benoit, maybe? Benoit. Benoit. Andy says, Benoit. Andy Benoit says Thanksgiving. I didn't want to go Benoit because, you know, of the beads. Sure. Says Thanksgiving food is overrated. Turkey is boring and isn't on many menus year round. Thoughts on turkey, boys? I saw a lot of people post that on Facebook that Thanksgiving food is overrated. Hey, you know what I mean? Like to each their own. I love Thanksgiving food. It's fine. Well, I love it as well. I, I, lo- I love turkey. I love being. <laughs> imagine that. The two fattest guys in the studio <laughs> love Thanksgiving Day food. Um, Some of us are patriots. And some of us are card-carrying communists. I like to be a patriot, and I enjoy turkey on there Thanksgiving. There we go. You know that most people are eating it wrong to begin From with? From a proud serviceman. Yeah. <laughs> a proud veteran. You're supposed to dip your fork into the cranberry sauce, and then get a piece of turkey, and eat it together. It's what? like pork chops and applesauce. Okay, I think a lot of it depends on how you're preparing the turkey, too. 
That's true, because I have, ever since I have gotten older, or as I have gotten older, I should say, I've enjoyed the delicacies of, like, grilled turkey, fried turkey, like, oven... There's different turkeys. I've had a ro- I had a roasted turkey and a smoked turkey this Ooh, year. smoked. And smoked smoke turkey was is the best. the bee's yeah, knees, Smoke is brother. the best, and that's what we had this past th- uh, Thanksgiving, thanks to my father, for uh, smoking it. The Wall Street Journal tells people not to wear sweatpants when working from home. Okay, so I saw this... And I it, wish I could come across the desk and grab that mother bleeper by the throat <laughs> because they clearly have no. I, the reason why, like, okay, you know, you dress for the job you want, whatever, like dress professionally, you work, you know, you work harder. Bullshit. I've never gotten more done in my life when I was wearing sweatpants. When I was not wearing sweatpants, they make me more productive. So I call bullshit. Is that, is that the reason why? Because like, if you're dressed like maybe a little more that's what it's professionally yes. you're going to be more productive yeah no does, does, he have, does he have data to back that up or is it just a hunch it's a mindset uh he i'm with you on that i think it is a mindset it's a mindset he it has a hunch that's because cool. i feel like on like i work like half days on saturdays usually and when i come in on saturdays i'm like shorts and a t-shirt or yeah. you know sweatpants and a t-shirt and i feel like i get more done saturday mornings than i do sometimes during the week but I think you're also less distracted. I mean, that's like telling Steve Jobs, hey, you shouldn't wear jeans to Apple every day. <laughs> the, you're, too, you're too casual, man. I find that I'm more productive when there's a lack of interruptions. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a lot of, you know, and, and when you're wearing sweatpants, is uh, is on down days when you're either working at home or you're working at Saturday in the office and there's a lack of interruptions happening. It really has nothing to do with what I, you're I, wearing. As far as working at home, I got nothing to compare to because I've never worked at home. Oh, beautiful thing, my friend. Rob Parker is back on his acronym bullshit. FS1's Parker has previously proven his uh, propensity to produce poorly chosen acronyms for particular players, and he's doing that again. Uh, Tom Brady is the LOAT, luckiest of all time. LeBron is the FFFFOAT, finals failure of all time, and Kevin Durant is the MSOAT, most sensitive of all time. What has Rob Parker exactly done with his career yeah, other than his, get fired from yeah. ESPN? What's his qualification yeah, to make I, that I, I, Okay, I don't know. If, you're, if you're Tom Brady or if you're LeBron James or if you're Kevin Durant, I would not give a flying two-bit rat's ass what and, Rob and, Parker and they thinks don't. of me. And they don't. Bruce Levine bashes the choice of Johnny Venters as MLB Comeback Player of the Year gets his name and comeback information wrong. <laughs> Uh, he said uh, there's often some delightful homerism around award selections, and that sure seems to be the case with this take from Bruce Levine, an LLB analyst for Chicago's 670 The Score. Uh, congrats to Johnny Venters, who came back six years later from two Tommy Johns and had a fantastic year. The Cubs' Ben Zobris was clearly the guy. Uh, he raises OPS 124 points, batting average by 73, and made one error while playing three positions and handling 356 chances. Finally, it's uh, Johnny Venters, not Johnny with an H. Second, it's three Tommy John surgeries, not two. And Venters made history by being the first pitcher to ever return to the big leagues after three. I'm trying to think of the most egregious thing I ever did when I was on the air. It's like, sh- that was like shitting on a sunflower. Yeah, it really was. I'm trying to think one of the most, I mean, like, I've gotten, like, names mixed up before. Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe I got the first name yeah. wrong, I got the last name right. I've done that, but I can't say I've done something but that egregious. You haven't gone out of your way. To like, if you're gonna have a hot take like that, oh no, you, you better you gotta do your you better come correct. You've got to do your homework, absolutely. And finally, Trent Dilfer calls Chiefs Rams bad football. Amazing fandom experience. Uh, Dilfer tweets, really cool game to watch. However, overall, it was bad ball. Reckless and balls to the wall doesn't mean good football. 
Sean Payton was happiest man in the world watching this. Yeah, I mean, like if if you like a little bit more of a defensive struggle, I could see where, mm-hmm. even though there were defensive touchdowns scored in that game, mm-hmm. I can see why you did not think that Monday night game was all that great. But I mean, Twitter was ablaze about it. My whole family was was texting back and forth yep. throughout that whole thing. Um, I I enjoyed it. Now, if that's the Super Bowl, I think almost everybody's going to say, "Sign me up." This yep. is the game I want to watch. Yep. Now, if that is the two teams playing in the Super Bowl, I want to see the team in red win because right. I think Stan Kroenke hoisting the uh, Vince Lombardi trophy may cause me to, Have uh, to, to vomit violently, but uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens. There's an honorable mention this week. Okay. Ooh, very, oh, I know. This is very exciting. Uh, to the anonymous Canadian member or media member, I'm a media member, man, who complained through BC Lions special teams coordinator Jeff Reinbold about nerds voting Ottawa kicker Lewis Ward as a CFL's special teams player of the year over BC kicker putter Ty Long. Uh, just received this from a member of the Canadian media. Sometimes I'm embarrassed to be a member of the media. Too many nerds who never played a sport in their life. How a field goal kicker wins the ST award over a field goal kicker and an outstanding punter is a joke. I mean, hot Canadian football takes is what Big I'm time. about. I mean, aside from that, especially in baseball, there is a real science versus religion you know, battle going on when it comes to how the games are viewed and how yep. like talent is judged. Yep. I mean, you certainly see it in baseball. You mm-hmm. see it so much in baseball. I guess like the old school gut guys and, and the sabermetrics, mm-hmm. uh, the saber, the people who believe in sabermetrics. And I mean, when it's actually like a bit of both. Right. It really is. It can't always be the math because eventually the math, is the law of averages is going to go against you. Right. But you can't always go with your gut because sometimes your gut is going to be wrong. I mean, all-star voting across any sport is a ridiculous phenomenon. Oh, I mean, and it's, 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 usually, it's, it's usually a popularity so, contest. It, it, it all, and at the end of the day, it doesn't benefit any... I mean, it bene- the only way it benefits players is going into off-season or any kind of negotiation saying, I was a three-time all-star, yeah. which really doesn't mean shit. You, you brought up Canada, and there's a band in Canada called Witch Rod. I never heard of them. I, have, I think they're a heavy metal band. I couldn't tell you one of their songs, what they even sound like, but they have one of the best breakup posts ever because uh, they broke up because the guitar player slept with the lead singer's girlfriend after they've been together for seven years and their drummer died. So they decided they were going to call it quits. And casually the yes. drummer died. And casually the drummer died. Alright. That, that, Ra- that is a way to break up. That <laughs> is a way to break up a band. You ask who Rob Parker is. I'll tell you who Rob Parker is. Okay. Rob Parker is a top five awful announcing uh, hot taker behind, <laughs> behind, behind Colin Coward. So Rob Parker has 47 Colin Coward is 74. Phil Mushnick has 164. Skip Bayless, 194. Stephen A. Smith, 220. Of course, Jason Whitlock is, on the, is in the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame. They, they don't even bother Where's taking Danny Cannell on that? He's got to be top 10 for Danny sure. Cannell is... He's uh, just the SEC hater. Not top 10. Mm. Top top 20. Come on, right Danny. Him, he's tied with Darren Ravel with 17. Oh. I tried actually to book uh, Danny Cannell when I was on 590, and and he, was, he just got fired by ESPN. And he was still kind of under contract, so he said he couldn't come on a non-ESPN entity. But he said, once that's done, he goes, email me back, and I'll be happy to come on. And he never did. Uh, Danny Cannell is actually ahead of Michael Wilbon, believe it or not. Michael Wilbon starting to become a grumpy old man. And he's kind of becoming irrelevant. And ahead of, I don't know about irrelevant, but he's starting to become a grumpy old man. And ahead of Keith Olbermann. Talk about someone who's annoying. Keith Olbermann is so annoying. He's still got a job. After somehow, all, making somehow. $5 million a year somehow. Somehow. He just does Sunny Night Sports Center. That's it with Kenny Mayne. Uh, special thanks to Hannah Yates and Amy Trask for joining us. 
This episode will be download will be available for download Friday morning. That's right. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you on the other side. Don't forget to listen to me on the Charlie Tuna Show starting on December third, seven to nine p.m. Mondays and Tuesdays on five ninety The Fan. Everybody have a great day.